Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. You talk about a triggering statement. In the Navy, the one thing they don't want to do is sink. <laughs> That's like Pete Thamel. You can't even call Lane like a retread. He's like the tire that got recycled to a plate that got recycled again to like a <laughs> like a straw. And SI's Pat Forty. I was outside the courthouse when OJ got acquitted. This has the same liberating feeling right here, right now. <laughs> and here's Dan. Hi, right, welcome to the show. Pete is back. Pete, we did not know where you were. I can't say we missed you, but we were. We noted your absence. I don't know if you've listened. We were so busy on the overreaction Monday, we didn't even have time to really make fun of you for being gone. Wow. We did speculate that he was he was providing aid and sucker to uh, Jason Candle in Toledo for not getting a bull bid. Yeah, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you in Toledo uh, mourning the one team that was bowl eligible and still couldn't get asked? <laughs> the most insulting how did, how thing. How did Liberty get a bowl and not Toledo? Like, let's 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 get our collective <laughs> investigative muscle together. How did Liberty get a bowl? And not the Rockets. The Rockets. They got they got the dental chair, man. They got they've <laughs> yeah. got curb appeal. They've got you know some <laughs> like furry and interest in what happens with Liberty football. Yeah. I, that is the best negative recruiting <laughs> that anyone could. You don't want to go to Toledo. Even the Gasparilla lawnmowers don't want these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Camellia Bowl turned down Toledo. Even the Mitsubishi Motors Bowl wouldn't take these guys. <laughs> <laughs> go up there to Toledo. Poor I mean, Rockets and their poor glass bowl. Literally last guy picked in the game, except literally like, no, you can't play. I mean, that is, that is some embarrassment. Sorry, Toledo. Uh, so you were, were you there? I was not in Toledo. I was flying back from the West Coast. I had gone to the Pac-12 title game, and then I went to Yahoo World headquarters in uh, Sunnyvale, California with our friends Tank and Michelle, uh, providing some video analysis for uh, the good the good people of Yahoo. So I did a little did a little West Coast junket and then I flew to New York for the football foundation events, which essentially involves me closing the lobby bar for the uh, 17th consecutive year, which I did last night, which is why I required this cup of tea. It was high maintenance. <laughs> oh, we got hung over, Pete. All right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, have to, I do have to say, after seeing Dan's old Miss rant in like the viral beauty of the uh, of the cinnamon missives, I was almost tempted to quit <laughs> the podcast because if such lyrical beauty can happen in my absence. I don't want to impede it. I, I, I feel like I'm, 
I feel like I'm limiting Dan's opportunities by, <laughs> by you know, taking up my little third of this triumvirate. So happy to offer and tender my resignation from the podcast if you feel like it will, if it's an impotent to, to future such rants, Dan, because it was a it was a thing of beauty. Thrice. Uh, here's the thing is it really Dan should retire because it's never going to get better than that. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, like, I'd love to retire. Like you just wrote Stairway to Heaven, but don't even bother trying to write anything else. All right. It's 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 done. It's over. It's all downhill from there. But we're willing to keep you on both. I, of you. I got I can keep spitting hits, man. I got a lot of them in here. <laughs> Lots going on in this head. A lot going on. Okay. You're going to do like a mad lib of Sam Pittman, Arkansas today to top that? Or? <laughs> we might. We'll see where we go. We got, we got a few things on the docket. We also are going to have the Sullivan report. I have commissioned a oh. forensic review of the race for the case because Pat somehow has got a one game lead over or you have a one game lead over tap 40. We needed tap to win. And then Pat would have had to drink like a, a bunch of old bush light. And instead, why did you not throw the last week? And now here we are. And Pat, I don't know. Right now, Pat, so you're mad, all you're I know mad is at me for picking correct games. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, 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 he laid into you. What the hell are you doing? Anyway, right now, Pat doesn't have to drink the bush light. And I'm angry. So I've commissioned a report. And everything else is fake news. Partisan Dang. politics. Tank for Dang. tap. That I I trust the forensic report about as much as I trust a Russian election. If they if it's a Dan Wetzel commissioned report designed to get me to drink Old Bush Light, come on. It's is, a witch is Sully also? Did Sully do the Russian doping tests too? Was yeah, that, yeah. that his job? <laughs> well, see, I don't know the report. I do not. I've not seen the report. I do not know. Uh-huh. Sully uh-huh. might have done an honest job. I just hope it's really honest, Sully. A little extra yeah. honest would help. I don't want they, you to cheat, Sully. I want uh-huh. you to do extra honest, and I got a little something in it for you. You know, uh, make sure you're doing <laughs> yeah. all right. Now the look on the look on Wetzel's face right now. We do have a video link up. Tells me that the fix is in. So <laughs> I do not know that. I mean, right. if Sully does a good job on this report, if you really think about it, he could end up doing all Auburn internal athletic department investigations. Yeah, he <laughs> could. He could. He could get called back by Duke after their very thorough and vigorous, oh. vigorous investigation into the Zion Williamson allegations. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Sully. There is a market for tanked, biased reports in college athletics. Uh, there is a rife and rich history of them. You can be the Chuck Smirt of, uh, of our podcast. I'm in. Count me in. Yeah. Call me, Auburn. Yes. Yes. Cuban elections. We, we can find a lot of work for you, Sully, if you deliver on this yeah. report. Nothing better yeah. than those internal reports, man. Yeah. <laughs> One time, yeah. uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and I did a, a story on UConn. And this recruit and this whole thing and it, it, UConn basketball. We didn't bother with UConn football. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then they commissioned, they paid somebody to do a report to check and see whether we were correct on the story. And then they released the report and it was basically our entire story. And then they paid them like $220,000 to this law firm. We're like, dude, just give us 10 grand. We would have told you it was true. You can have my notebook. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, you have any nights we had to spend in the courtyard Marriott to figure this out? Yeah, you guys <laughs> just, all grand? they did was go talk to all the people in the story. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah we talked to those guys. <laughs> yeah, quarter million. Thank you. I'm like, what the, the hell is this? All right, anyway, there is a uh, a slightly more hyped, I don't know it'll be more uh, influential reveal than the Sullivan Report, but on Saturday night, there will be 
the, uh, the revealing of the Heisman. And I guess because it's a college football podcast, I am obligated to discuss it. We know Joe Burrow is going to win. Uh, you, do Pete, do you vote too? You vote I do. Thing? I I, uh, I did my patriotic college football duty uh, Sunday. Actually, I couldn't vote online, so I actually had to call and I voted really. Verbally. Yeah, it was it wow. just I I couldn't hack. get the text code. Was there to a me, so I hack on that? Yeah, I called and. Uh, uh, is this thing working? Oh, it's on. It's on. <clears throat> People of Earth. We on Planet Orgeron interrupt this podcast to tell you the Heisman Trophy is nothing but a popularity contest and a crock of sh**. It is the most overhyped award in all of Earth sports. Again, we are aliens from Planet Orgeron and definitely not Producer Sully, who is definitely still mad about Charles Woodson winning over Peyton Manning. Back to your regularly scheduled program. Uh, it like hit called the Heisman. It was like, this is the Heisman <laughs> Trust or whatever. I hit an extension. There's a guy from Deloitte there. They, they made me do like 11 things to identify myself. So yeah, nobody could right. try to be a, a fake news Heisman voter. How, um, very old school. They're not allowed which fan to base say. is most likely to call in and try to act like Pete Thamel and, and get a fake vote. <clears throat> you hey, put nothing past college sports fans. All, nothing. To, all, all Toledo Rockets on my ballot. Yep. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> Toledo Pete has uh, gotten it in. <laughs> so you guys are not allowed to say this is why you shouldn't be voting. You guys know I am opposed <laughs> to all voting. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. This is the only thing I vote for. It doesn't matter. Well, you can't be a little bit pregnant. <laughs> you're supposed to report the news, not make it. Shouldn't do it. All you right. know it. Y'all, you're all dirty, and now you're all like, I can't. I, we can't have a Here good go. podcast because you guys are bought and sold by the Heisman found the Heisman <laughs> Trust. There we go. Right? Is that what it's called? The, the Dan Heisman. Wetzel Columbia Journalism yeah. Review <laughs> Ethics Ethics Lecture. When you think of me, you think of ethics. No, the Heisman the Trust says all I the can. way. No, screw the highs. Very rigid I, journalism protocol with Dan. Very. Yeah. These posts, when I worked at the New York Times, we couldn't. And then yeah. I got to Sports Illustrated. They offered a Heisman vote. And Sports Illustrated was like, you should vote. And I was like, okay. You know, big New York City magazine tells me to vote. I'm going to vote, you know. Yep. So here I am. Vote. I, I declined. Uh, I think I got invited once to vote for like the kicker of the year. Or some committee, <laughs> the Tallahassee, the Groza, TV. the Groza, like identified remember. you by height. They said, you know what, Dan, you 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 fit the stature you of a the good stat, kicker. Yeah, good kicker. No, I, maybe it was something else. I can't remember. Some guy from Florida called me. I was like, no, I don't, I don't do it. He's like, all we do is get together and you know drink beer. I was like, I got, I get the concept. I just, um, all right. Anyway, Joe Burrow is going to win. So that's you all I got. So? I think the biggest Heisman margin, I have to relook this up this week. I looked it up a few weeks ago. I believe the biggest Heisman margin winner ever is OJ. No, no. Troy no. Smith. Uh, Troy Smith. Uh, Ohio State. Uh, um, Troy Smith 91.3%. Okay. Maybe OJ had like that most actual votes and Troy Smith had the most percentage votes. That could be. I'll I'll double check here real quick. But uh, that I had read that earlier, and I remember that being the case. It's really funny because Troy Smith, in retrospect, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody looks back and says, you know, that's one of the all-time greatest players. He was a very, very good quarterback. But that yes. year, it just kind of broke that way. Yeah. Uh, whereas, but I think that I think the record's going to be broken. I remember that reading in this Dan Jenkins book, Saturday's America's old book. It's a, if you are a college football fan try to find this old book. It's basically Dan Jenkins, the uh, now late, great SI writer who, I, you know, half his stuff, his columns on college football were about 65% true and 35% whatever <laughs> he was, he, you know, novelizing a little bit, but they're highly entertaining. In one of them, he covered the Notre Dame USC game and OJ scored four touchdowns. And someone at Notre Dame said, uh, 
Yeah, they they say his name is OJ. It stands for Oh Jesus, there he goes again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? Hey, uh, I might be wrong on that. So that's why we have Sully run the numbers. All right, let's just get right to this. I got other stuff, but Sully, please reveal your completely independent and extra fair report. Who? (laughs) What are the final race of the case standings? This isn't as uh, long as the Mueller report, but but give me a minute. This report is submitted to the Yahoo Sports podcast pursuant to 28 CFR section 608C which states that the conclusion of the podcast producer's work, he shall provide the Yahoo Sports podcast pursuant a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions the podcast producer has reached. The original podcast race for the case results were 100% accurate. Exonerated! Pete Thamel won the competition, won Tap 40 finished second, Dan Wetzel finished third, and Pat 40 fourth. The podcast producer's investigation, however, found that Wetzel and 40's locks of the week were anything but locks. The <laughs> LOW standings are as follows. Thamel, to no one's surprise, finished first overall with a 13-1-1 record. We His know. One lone he loss, reminded us every week. <laughs> His Yep. His one lone loss came at the hands of his alma mater in week 14 in a 39-30 Syracuse overtime victory over Wake. Wetzel finished second with an embarrassing yet nice six and nine record. He fell victim to massive upsets over the course of the season. Wetzel picked Wazoo over UCLA in week four, Wisconsin over Illinois in week eight, Oregon over ASU in week 13. Those three games are among the top 15 largest outright upsets of the season. (laughs) And in last place, Mr. 40 with a miserable four, 10 and one record. It took Pat 10 weeks to register his first locker of the week victory. <laughs> really? In, con- in conclusion, moly. the Yahoo Sports podcast should worry more about their picks and less about the producer's record keeping. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sully. Listen. Hold on, hold on. Just... I'm busy canceling Sully's, the shipping of Sully's Christmas gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pat was all worried. Hey, here's the deal. Sully, you, you you know what? Fine. We can trust you now. It took a whole season to establish <laughs> trust, but we can now, we can trust you. This for me, I was outside the courthouse when OJ got acquitted. This has the same liberating feeling right here, right now. <laughs> uh, I was about six months late in delivering uh, Pat his case of beer last year. I believe I did in August before this season started. Is that about right, Pat? I think you're right. Your delicious, crisp Sierra Nevada showed up at at your home in Louisville. So I have a small request because as people who listen to the podcast know, and they make fun of me for eating acai bowls, (laughs) I actually don't really drink a lot of beer. So I would certainly enjoy a case of beer and it would certainly get drank at some point, but that's not that. So this would be my, this would be my ask of Pat, uh, now, does Dan have to buy me a case, too? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and he, he already figured out what he's buying you. Don't worry. Okay. I already said I know what I'm getting. This was going to be this was going to be my ask because I'm going on my charity run on Saturday. I'm going the Santa Speedo run in Boston. I'll be wearing a Speedo running through Boston a mile to raise money for the charity I'm on the board of. Sully has kindly donated to the charity, which I very much appreciate. Sully did in like 30 seconds. Pat Forty has very kindly donated to the charity. A Wetzel 
has very kindly donated to my charity run. And it was Paul Wetzel. <laughs> so I don't want to put any podcast peer pressure on Dan, but instead of dropping, you know, 25 bucks for a case of Schlitz or whatever, whatever goofy, uh, whatever goofy idea he had to torture me, like I sent the bush light to Pat. If you would just kindly like to make a donation to the uh, to the SS run in Boston under my name. I would kindly take that and you can write it off as your penance for being really bad at picking games. I was a child growing up in Boston. I can only imagine the horrors of seeing you running in Speedos through the streets outside my house. I don't know if I should be encouraging this, although your charity was it Play Ball Boston. Play Ball Boston. Play Ball Boston is a great cause. I will donate rather than uh, send you raspberry white claws, which is what I was going to say. <laughs> you were really like happy about that idea. Uh, well, yeah. I, here's the thing. It was going to be like, would have taken like some time. This will be much quicker. I, I'm just too lazy to figure out how to send a <laughs> case of raspberry white claws. So I don't even know if they have raspberry. Yeah. There is an app called Drizzly. That's what I use to send Pat his beer. It's an alcohol purchasing app. I do not have like a stake in it or anything, but it's kind of genius. You know, yeah. like somebody has, a, a, you know, you know, gets a new job. You send them a whatever. Somebody has a coach gets fired. You feel bad for him. You send him a bottle or something. So whatever it is, it's a uh, Drizzly should uh, should sponsor our show. I think that would our audience would really resonate with uh, with Drizzly. So really, anyway, really should. if next year when I win again. I will lie. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, and again, just, you know, completely sidestepping what happened last year when you got your ass beat. You know, I mean, that's... Pat, the fact that you went 10 straight weeks without getting a lock of the week is really one of the greatest. That's, that's like really difficult to do. The that's 10 bad. things I feel strongest about, I am wrong on consecutively. I think there's never a case of feeling strongest about it. It was a case of process of elimination because we already did the five good games. And then I'm <laughs> scrambling at the end trying to figure out, okay, Florida Atlantic. Losers uh, make excuses. Uh, hey, can I, can I quickly clarify the Heisman record here, by the yes, way? Yes, please, please. We were both right. Troy Smith had the most percentage of possible first place or possible points. OJ got the most first place votes. So okay. that's that's a good happy. Who came in second to Troy Smith here? I don't know. I'll find that out. But whoever it is is forgotten. All right. That was the year that like Trestle randomly went to the spread in like week eight, right? They're like playing right. Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Brock Spack didn't know what to do. He was up to his mustache <laughs> in uh in, in newfangled spread offense. Yep. Second place was Darren McFadden. Third place was Brady Quinn. Oh, Brady Quinn third. All right. Good job. Yep. That was Charlie Weiss's one year of being a genius. Mm -hmm. I milked that into a lot of money. Got a lot yeah. of money off that. He got $30 million in uh buyout over, over that. Yeah. Yeah. That then was... got the Kansas job. One of yeah. the all time. His son is the OC at FAU. Yeah. Or was, I guess. I don't know if he's, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if he's riding the lane train to Ole Miss or not, but Kendall Bryles, supposedly. I don't know. Kendall's that, gotten uh, consecutive coaches fired as the OC, so we'll see if he can make it three <laughs> three in a row. I think Lane's got a little goodwill built up, but let's let's discuss. Okay. Oh yeah, I want to do uh, coaching carousel here. Four Southern schools made hires, big ones. There might be some others, but I'm not, I don't care about them. Missouri hired Eli Drinkwitz. One year he had been at Appalachian State, a Gus Malzahn disciple, coached high school ball with Gus in Arkansas. Imagine what was it Springdale or what is it? Springdale High. Yeah, Springdale. And he Springdale was the OC High at Springdale. School, yeah. Had two SEC 
coaches on its staff at one point. <laughs> kind of crazy. Uh, Ole Miss went with Lane Kiffin. Arkansas went with Sam Pittman, Georgia OL coach and former assistant to Brett Bielema up there. And Florida State went to, uh, obviously, Memphis's Mike Norvell, who uh, had been four years, done a very good job at Memphis. So let's go through these, okay? Three schools here really have not had a lot of hope lately. Uh, Florida State always has hope because of who they are. Pete, which one do you think got the job, got the best coach? I don't know, you rank them in order, whatever you want to do here. What do you think of these four hires? Well, they're four very different hires. And I think one of the things that this cycle has shown us, it's been kind of a boring hiring cycle, to be honest, is that the, the field is very picked through, right? You got an O-line coach who is fairly anonymous outside of like the SEC hardcores going to, going to Arkansas. I mean, you can't even call Lane like a retread. He's like the tire that got recycled to a plate that got recycled again to like a, like a straw. Like, I mean. <laughs> He's cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yes. Our aging stripper friend. Yes, that is the ultimate marriage of mutual desperation. And a marriage may not even be the right term, but uh, the tryst of mutual <laughs> desperation. So, and then Drinkwitz obviously went 12-1, and one, won the Sun Belt. They won really impressively against Lafayette in the title game on, on Saturday. But still, like, hiring a guy who's been a head coach for one year to go into an SEC job certainly is, a, you know, eye po- a little bit eye-popping. And then Norvell is the surest thing here, right? Like, Mike Norvell... I think it's interesting, too, when you look at the evolution of football hires. I were ever an athletic director. I would really focus a search anyway on hiring a coach who's also a play caller and a quarterback guy, because that's 70 percent of this whole thing. If you have a quarterback and can develop the quarterback, which is like a nebulous concept, but is so critical. Like, look how much better Justin Fields got between Georgia and Ohio State, going from Jim Chaney to Ryan Day and Mike Yersich. I mean, it's not even close. So Drinkwitz is the... He is actually the offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterback guy, and will maintain that at Missouri. Lane uh, Lane has called plays and not called plays. I don't believe he called plays this year, but he's obviously going to have a heavy hand in the offense and, and is an offensive guy. And Norvell has called plays. So in some sense, you know really at those three schools what you're getting from them. Pittman is like... It's like asking the girl in math class sitting next to you with the glasses to the prom. You know she's going to say yes. So so Sam Pittman's going to come in. They're not going to pay him any money. They're going to try to get some high-paid assistance around him. It, that's one of those things that sounds nice in a boardroom. But, like, if you had to bet on it, Sam Pittman's not going to work. The roster is garbage right now. It's by far and away the worst roster in the SEC. And I really just feel like coming in with, like, do-right, try-hard coaches and a staff and – you know, talk about toughness and blocking and all that. That all that all sounds good, but like, nah. I just I I don't know if there's going to be diamonds. And the problem at a place like Arkansas, when you do the try hard staff model, is that the moment you have a stellar guy on your staff, he is going to leave for a better job in your own division, right? If you say they they have, they have a great receivers coach who's crushing it, he's going LSU. Like if you have a great, he's going Alabama. So. I just think that's a hard place to it's a, that's a hard place to to for that model to work and it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time to get better at Arkansas. Good for them for deciding Chad Morris wasn't the right guy to do it, but now you have to lock in for 4 or 5 years to see if this Pittman thing's going to work and I would bet against Pittman. Him. He's like a uh, rough around the edges Brett Bielema. I never thought Bielema <laughs> would So Bielema's <laughs> refined is that what we're yes. saying? Yes. Bielema wow. is a pair, is refined compared to 
to Sam Pittman, who I am now a big fan of. What would the Brett Bielma finishing school be like? You know, <laughs> basically like, his <laughs> wife, Jen. Cleaned him yeah, up yeah. a little bit. Okay, I, you know, I'm sure yeah. Mrs. Pittman right. is a is a lovely woman, <laughs> but she has not put the work in. Yes, that Jen Bielema did on Brett. But listen, this is Sam Pittman. This is his signature move here. Okay, this is signature phrase. You ready for this? Does this going to inspire high school recruits of America? I hope so. Sully, play it. I yes sir. Yes sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. And uh, that's his thing. In, in case Wu Pig wasn't enough, calling the hog. First, you got to call the hogs. Now we got a guy yelling, Yes, sir. I think this is, he's going to fit in. This is what they was like. He's going to fit in good around here. What? He's going to hang out with a guy who's like a. Go to the barbecue joint. Not like, I don't know. Maybe you can get a bunch of linemen. I don't know. I hate to. I hate to say a guy's not going to work out on the first day because he seems like a heck of a fun guy. Just you already killed him on the last podcast by association, if you remember. In the midst of the stripper what? oratory, I mean that was. Like, what are you going to do? Hire an <laughs> offensive line coach from Georgia? That's not going to work. <laughs> that was yes, actually sir! my favorite moment of that. <laughs> No, sir. It's not going to work. That's my take <laughs> on this. Thing. You know no. who Sam Pittman is to me? Remember John Chavis, who actually just tanked Arkansas? Sam Pittman's like the offensive version of John Chavis, oh, like an SEC lifer who's bounced around a different job. Sam Pittman would never go work at like Oregon. Like that guy needs to be in the SEC. And he's just sort of this generation's caricature lifer SEC he's gonna assistant. He's going to surprise you. Let me give you the, the Sam Pittman <laughs> resume because this is astounding. And I, what do you, you're saying they're not paying him and they're probably not, but he's making a couple million at least for this job. He's making millions of dollars to coach Arkansas. Listen to this. This is how this guy, this is why I like him because he's a grinder like me, self made, not you two <laughs> floating around. You're all fancy. Starts at <laughs> Pittsburgh State, which is not in Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh in State. Kansas. It's, it's yes. their, their nickname is the Gorillas. The Gr- Pittsburgh yes. State the, Gorillas. The Toledo offensive coordinator just took the Pittsburgh State job. Pittsburgh State. Right. <laughs> then he went to Beggs High School in Oklahoma, where he was the offensive coordinator. I mean, <laughs> then he went to Princeton in Princeton, Missouri, the junior senior high school. They just got one, mm. one, one building. Trenton, Missouri <laughs> High School. Then he got the O-line job at Hutch. Hutchinson Community College. It's mm. there for about four years. Then he got to Northern Illinois OL. He got to Cincinnati as the uh, tight end coach and O-line. Then he got to Oklahoma. That was the big break. Then he got to Western Michigan for a year, associate head coach. Missouri, one year, offensive line. Kansas is a traitor. And I thought they hated each other. Kansas, oh, well. Isn't it funny in football, these guys switch jobs. Like in basketball, the assistants are like, a Missouri assistant would never go to Kansas in basketball. (laughs) But in in football, yeah, no problem. Kansas. Then he went back to Northern Illinois as the offensive line coach. Northern Illinois associate head coach. Then he got to North Carolina as the offensive line coach. Then he got promoted to associate head coach at North Carolina. Then he went to Tennessee as the OL. 
Then he went to Arkansas. Then he went to Georgia. And now he is a, that is a grind, man. That is a lot of jobs in a lot of places. That's that's true. I, I you know, impressive. Good for him. Now, can we ever back bought a house? Do you ever buy? Has he ever bought a house? This man is now <laughs> uh, a multimillionaire. The athletic is already profiling his realtor. So, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's a good question. But. Can we go back to one thing here about you? You were a grinder like him. Didn't you go to a like BC prep, like a private yeah. school? Yeah. Uh, I went to public school all the way up. Okay. Uh, okay. You're, you're in Colorado. Yeah. Public the mean school, streets of baby. Colorado Springs. Yeah. Air hey. Academy. He said in his press conference that he had like 500 texts from offensive line coaches from across the country, like saying, one of us finally got a job. I hope that his entire staff is made up of former offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's that it. would work Just well. Just recruit Owell. Love to see yeah. him coach up the receivers with that group and the DBs. Love it. Here's the thing. He reminds me a lot, if you guys remember, of Robbie Caldwell. Oh, yeah. Who was the colorful offensive line guy who became the interim head coach at Vanderbilt when Bobby Johnson surprisingly resigned. And everybody loved Robbie Caldwell. He dominated SEC media days, gave the greatest talk I'd ever heard. It was hilarious. It was endearing. It was inspiring. And then he went and went two and ten. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of nice guys out there who can tell good stories and a lot of them coach the offensive line. Doesn't mean they're going to be good head coaches. I would put Sam Pittman in the certainly at the very best wait and see category. I would also quibble with one other thing, putting Missouri. Missouri is Southern in, in conference affiliation only. It's Midwestern. Eli Drinkwitz, he's being absurdly overpaid at $4 million a year. I mean, after one season as a head coach, it's crazy. But, you know, if, they, if you're going to pay the going rate, you know, we'll see how it works out there. Missouri needs to sell offense. The fans need to be lured to the stadium. They're not going to come just out of blind loyalty and passion. It doesn't run that deep. So they had to go offense. Their initial search was a train wreck. They whiffed on like three guys. They brought another list of three to the board of curators. The board swatted it like Dikembe Matambo, said, get out of here with the list. Come back and do better. And, uh, and that's how they ended up with Eli Drinkwitz. We'll see. I, I, I think he's got a chance. I think he's got a chance. If you look at his resume and where he's worked, he hadn't recruited at this level. So that's going to be a, uh, a challenge. I think Dan has adequately covered the Lane Kiffin situation for the rest of posterity. Norvell is the best hire at the place that had the best job available out of these schools in the South. So that's, you know, that one I think has a great chance of success. When we hit the off season, Sully, can you just play Dan's uh, cinnamon rant? Like just on like loop, you know, like sometimes shows when they like go off the air Christmas week, they just do like best of. That's really our best of. Like, we don't really have anything else to offer. So just that's just, all we got. Just play like that 24 consecutive times, and there's your 48 minute podcast. <laughs> and people could just listen on their way to work or when they're walking their dog or whatever they, uh, whatever, you got it. whatever they when do. The, when just, the lane train is pulling into Atlanta for the SEC championship game, you guys will all remember who said it was a good idea. Uh, or, or they're on probation for the next 15 years. I have this yeah. one. And I, it's, it's just, odd to me and, and and this always bothers me during these coaches searches i get it's a hard thing but eli drinkwitz on saturday after the appalachian state game was asked about his coaching future okay saturday afternoon and his quote was i hate to make this comparison but the president of the united states always says fake news and you don't believe about it until you start seeing it about yourself there's a lot of fake news and rumors and stuff going on out there and he goes on to talk about uh, how much he loves it at appalachian state he was hired on Sunday. 
<laughs> now, I yeah. don't think this is like a character flaw. I don't think it's, it speaks to whether he's going to see. Why do coaches, <laughs> why would you go so far out on the limb and declare, I'm not interested in, in, in any of this, fake news, when clearly you are going to take the job? Like, you, you don't just, like, Missouri didn't just call Saturday night and go, hey, I, I, I doubt. Hey, you want the job? Yeah. Although maybe they did for a million dollars. No, they. I don't know if they they called, but they they showed up Saturday night. That's when he interviewed. He interviewed Saturday yeah, night. But, but that they was had, set up. Yeah. They didn't. You oh, don't yeah. show up for a date without knowing you're going to have a date. <laughs> Just knock on the door. <laughs> was Look, it was it coaching search Tinder? Like I don't you know in the who, locker room after it swiped right. To Mr. I don't know who reported this, but that guy, you know, oh, see what I, you know, poor guy at the Boone Daily News is like, uh, you know, get. I mean. It's one of most one of the most annoying things about our jobs, and coaches do it because they've been allowed to get away with it forever. They lie, and we are like, okay, right, you go ahead and lie. Well, he Nobody's says, gonna leave on it. That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, he just I mean, got. I mean, why, who who was he making four four hundred grand? Uh, eight hundred, I think. Eight hundred grand to four million. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. who would blame him? Like, I mean, <laughs> if, if you like the guy, yeah. Okay, I'm a App State fan. Oh, why would anyone leave App State? Because he's getting paid $4 million and you're paying me eight. I mean, come on. Like, I don't even know where yeah. this, there was this one time there was a coach. I think it might be, he might still be the coach. I think he got, maybe he got fired. He was the Red Wings. He was the Red Wings, like triple A affiliate, the Kalamazoo Red Wings. He was the coach there and they're in the playoffs and everyone's going, oh, he's going to get the, D the Detroit Red Wing job. And he, and he, and he chewed out like this. No, there's no truth to that rumor. I'm not talking like, Okay, who at the the, the the AAA Red Wings? Everyone wants to go to the Red Wings. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the whole point of the operation is to get to the Red Wings. Like, why would any? Oh, no, I, I'm loyal to this AAA. No, you're not. Who? Why would you? You're an idiot then. Of course you're going to go to the Red I, Wings. See, it drives me crazy. We, we've actually, look, they've built up an entire support industry around allowing these guys to lie about these things. An entire support industry. Search firms and agents are largely there so that coaches can stand there in line and say, I've had no contact with that shit. <laughs> Bullshit. You have too. Yes, you have. It's just through third parties. It's all going on. Stop lying to us. That's the thing that just drives me crazy. Is it really going to hurt recruiting? Was anyone going to Appalachian State because they thought this guy was going to be there forever? Like, I just think it's <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like, who is going to blame you? Literally, like if you're in a well, coach, I heard you were interested in an SEC job. I'm not sure we're interested in Appalachian State. If you weren't interested in an SEC job, I wouldn't send my kid there. I just don't I don't think there's really a negative fallout. I think that's just a wives tale that like, oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm not loyal to this place. Nobody's loyal to any place, man. This is America. <laughs> Look, you got a 400 or 500 percent raise and that yeah, I, somebody on Twitter said better job at Appalachian State. No. Everybody is taking the 500% raise. <laughs> yeah, $4 million. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Do the same job, but for 500% more money. Um, it's a tough decision. I mean, you know, Boone's a nice <laughs> place. Pretty, but yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. So we have had a very boring coaching carousel. I agree. This is, I mean, we're, we're on this. <laughs> Doing yes, sirs. <laughs> other, than the, other than Lane Kiffin. However, the NFL is very enamored right now with young and, and college coaches. There is a bit. And there are two jobs that are pretty interesting that likely are going to open in the NFL. And there's a lot of talk about 
would they go a college route? One is the Dallas Cowboys. And the other is the Cleveland Browns. And so for the Cowboys, we've already heard Urban Meyer, Matt Rule at Baylor, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And these are just, these are not, they're out there talking. Don't, I'm not reporting. Dan Mullen. I'm not reporting that it's not fake news. I'm just throwing it out there that certainly the Cowboys have not contacted these guys. The Browns have not contacted, but Jim Harbaugh to the Browns, Lincoln Riley to the Browns. We can maybe make something out of Baker Mayfield. I always think David Shaw is a possibility to jump and, and Stanford program is not humming. They're not hum like normal this year. Which one of those guys, Meyer, Harbaugh, Riley rule or Shaw. Is there any of them you could see going to the NFL or back to the NFL, either in the in the near future or would make sense as a as an NFL coach? Pat, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, I would say out of that group, the, the two that I like a lot in that position are Rule and Shaw. I mean, Lincoln Riley may could be very good in that position, too. But Rule's been in the NFL. Shaw's been in the NFL. I think they have a, a demeanor that fits coaching adults and coaching millionaires who make more money than them well you know i don't think either of them bring a ton of me first ego to the uh to the franchise that they would be going to they're both very very good coaches boy i mean matt rule has proved himself in spades i mean the chances he's gotten have not been easy and he's done phenomenal work david shaw done it year after year after year he's you know he's obviously hit a little bit of a uh lull at stanford they were horribly injured this year for one thing i think shaw would have the biggest shaw would need creative offensive assistance with him rule might as well too but i like those two guys urban i just think Losing kills him too much, and everybody loses in the NFL. Belichick loses in the NFL. You know, you know, nobody goes fourteen to two, fifteen to one, sixteen to zero year after year after year. So I, I don't see him being able to to do that. Probably too uptight too. But so I would, I would go Rule Shaw, and then Lincoln Riley is the is the intriguing, you know, toy kind of guy, the the offensive mind. I guess I would say Harbaugh obviously can coach in the NFL. Oh, yeah. All yeah Super Bowl. Sure. So that one's kind of, but yeah. I don't know whether he leaves Michigan to take a job right now. I guess that would be it. I don't think he has to prove his credentials. He's done better than almost anybody no, else. Sure. P, what do you think? If I was rule, I would sprint to the NFL. You just went 11 and two at Baylor and got them to the Sugar Bowl. You want to talk about defying gravity? He was one in 11 two years ago. The place was ravaged. He's done an excellent job. And there's legit. Remember after he went one in 11, the Colts interviewed him and everyone was like, whoa, you know, but like Matt rule, the NFL still wants people who do what the NFL does. So this isn't like the Lamar Jackson anomaly NFL that's evolved. There's still three quarters of that league is hardcore toughness pro style line them up mash them you know get it get an old school motivator and i think of all those guys matt rule maybe fits that mold the most so we mentioned dan mullen i think dan mullen has done an excellent job and again he brings that mold i was talking about before he's the play caller he's the oc guy and he's really developed quarterbacks as well as any coach in this generation so that is going to be attractive to to an nfl franchise because he fits that McVay-ish mold of bringing in someone who's an established quarterback guy. And, and obviously that will allow him to, you know, that, that gives you an immediate identity at that level. And I think, I think Dan 
being where he's been would adjust well to the NFL. He's certainly high end intellect wise, one of the smarter coaches I've been around. So yeah, those would be, those would probably be the two that I would, uh, that I would focus in on this uh, cycle. I got to credit our mutual friend, Daniel Jeremiah with that one. He, uh, he said that Dak Prescott with the Cowboys and he's an Urban Meyer disciple too. That's two attractive things to Jerry Jones. The thing about coaching the the Cowboys, and this is why Urban Meyer may even write about this this week, like Urban Meyer would be terrible with the Cowboys. I mean, after every game, Jerry Jones gives a press conference. Jerry Jones is in charge of all personnel decisions. Jerry Jones right. is the biggest voice in the room. Jerry, you, Jerry Jones will say whatever the hell he wants after the game. He will rip you and he will praise you. He'll do whatever. He's the billionaire. He owns the team. Nobody tells Jerry Jones what to say. And you have to sit there and take it. And I I mean, day one, like Bill Parcells, Jerry Jones would not be quiet for. Like he was quieter. And that's Parcells. Parcells is one of the most intimidating people I have ever met. Like just terrifying. And still, Jerry was gonna was gonna do whatever the hell he wants. And you're not coming in there as a college guy. So you have to you have to buy into that. And I don't know that that's that works so well with the with Urban Meyer, but very interesting. If the NFL comes calling, the January coaching carousel could get a lot more interesting because these guys are all at big jobs. And I don't know if any of them will go. Again, I'm just throwing it out there, but it would certainly spin down. That would be fascinating. Really, I like if we had a big exodus in January between the signing day in December and the signing day in February, that would create some chaos. And you'd (laughs) you think the the transfer portal slash waiver wire slash whatever is busy now. Now, wait, wait until something like that happens. These guys would all be trying to get out of their letters that they signed December 18th uh, in a month. All right. Now, uh, we did the Heisman earlier. Joe Burrow's going to win. Might might beat OJ. Good good, good luck. Might beat uh, Troy Smith. What about Coach of the Year? There, there's so many awards in college football. I, I'm not getting into all this stuff. I don't know what they are, you know, and they're, they're always re- – <laughs> How do you know? You know what the award is when the they draft them in the spring. That's how you know who the best player was. That's true. Coach of the year, though. Who is your national coach of the year? Yeah, it's a tough call, I thought, this year. Very tough. I mean, you could come up with Matt Rule, who we just talked about, Kyle Whittingham, Ed Orgeron, Ryan Day. Those would be my top four. And I guess I would narrow it down to Orgeron and Day. Both phenomenal for, for different reasons. Day steps in to the shoes of a legend, brings in a new quarterback, has a lot of great talent there still, obviously. I mean, he inherited a phenomenal team, but he puts his own stamp on it, and they're better, frankly, than they were in the in several years. Maybe, you know, who knows how long. So that's tough to go against, but I'd probably go with Coach O, perhaps partly out of out of some mea culpa because I, I really thought Coach O was a bad hire and he's turned out to be a phenomenal hire. But also, yeah, he showed some flexibility and a lot of coaches won't. It's, it got less miles fired not showing any flexibilities for his offensive approach. You know, bringing in Joe Brady, loosening up the, uh, the reins, getting Steve Ensminger to stay on board and buy into the Joe Brady thing and change the offense and... I mean, they they have just metamorphosed like I've never seen a team year over year without completely changing the whole staff. So to go from the really boring, unimaginative, underachieving offense that they were to the most exciting offense in the country, I would give the uh, the uh, deal to Ed Orgeron. What do you think, Pete? Joe Burrow has basically undergone the single biggest transformation from one season to the next of any player I've ever covered. He's completed 20% more of his passes. He was 
pedestrian last year, and he's dynamic, and he managed to be the number one pick in the draft. And so you have to give all the credit to Orgeron for figuring things out and pulling the right levers to 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 get that to happen. You know, Ryan Day's done a phenomenal job. He, I think he's really loosened that program up, and uh, Ohio State's playing free and easy. They're in the top three in scoring offense and top three in scoring defense, and so is Clemson. Dabo gets no consideration. They're too good. He's won too many games in a row. <laughs> and look, like what Rule has done has been, you know, has been is un- unbelievable. And Kyle Whittingham is just criminally underappreciated. I really just feel like what he's done there over the period of time, raising them from the Mountain West up to the Pac-12 is that. But if I had to pick one guy, I would pick Ed Orgeron. It's been interesting to see that people are now saying like USC whiffed on 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 holding him. I don't I don't know. Do you agree with that, Pat? Like you, you lived that Orgeron USC era. Oh yeah. Remember when they told him he wasn't going to get the job, and he just yeah, walked he like had out. A fit. Yeah. Yeah. He like took his ball and went home. Yeah. That was one yeah. of the reasons why, like, I was wasn't sold on him at LSU. Um, right. I was. He's I was got to be skeptical. fit. He's got to have fit. Correct. And, and Ed Orgeron in LA, he, he's he's obviously become a terrific coach. So, the, but he doesn't. The way he talks, the way he acts, all that, it just appeals to people in the South, and that's okay. And and mm-hmm. it may not in L.A., and and that's okay. Like I just don't think he was ever the great fit. You could be a great coach. It's not just about it's not just about drawing up X's and O's or motivating, like you know. And and does his style work with California kids? I don't know. Apparently not as well as it does with like he speaks. And man, those kids, those those kids from. The parishes of Louisiana, they, they love it and they go with it. So, oh, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think SC made a mistake on that necessarily, because no. it'd be really hard to see to have predicted that. Anyway, sorry. to yeah. hijack. No, 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 no. I, I agree that I look, I just if I were if I were the AD at USC and I could have been compared to Pat Hayden, <laughs> you have a better resume. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have kept him. I would not have. I just I, I would have thought, you know, first of all, the, the track record you had, it was like eight games there versus the 27 when he was a flaming disaster at Ole Miss. I would have been like, eh. and then again, to Dan's point, fit, not not real secure there. So I, I, I don't blame USC for doing what it did. And, you know, LSU is the perfect place for it. It's the ultimate place for Ed Orgeron, you know, against him to, to can tell all his Cajun stories and. And they eat it up down there, and the recruits, most importantly, eat it up. He had the great line Friday at the press conferences before the SEC championship game. He is He's very funny. He said, well, next week, going to be in 18 to 22 houses recruiting. That'll be 18 to 22 gumbos. It's become like a festivity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Ed Orgeron's coming to your house, got to make gumbo just so you can, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. you got it. <laughs> You can't have, uh, yeah, you can't have a kale, you know, shrimp salad. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Louisiana version of Santa Claus on Christmas eating all those cookies. He's, yeah. he's got to be tired of gumbo by yeah. the time he gets off the trail. I don't think Ed uh, indulges in acai bowls. Acai bowl. No. I think, um, I, if I think you were recruiting he's, a young family, you'd have to change up the, uh, the menu. I, I clearly think he's the coach of the year. I also think it's because he's in three three years now as the full-time coach, really four. He recruited the team. He put the team together. I know there's a big, and I think that's part of the job. I never, you know, there's a bit on picking your, who who's surprised. Uh, I certainly, Matt Rule's the other, other real candidate. I know there's a bit where it's like, well, if you're predicted low and you do well, you're the coach of the year. Like that, what is the prediction? That's not an actual thing. That's just a, 
subjective. And then this bit where it's like, well, he wins with worse players. Like part of your job is to get good players. So <laughs> yeah. I can't really fault Dabo just because he's got the best player. Like, well, yeah, he got him. You know, they'd always go to Clemson and they don't always go anywhere. Man, if you ain't that good, right. they'll all go to wherever you're good. Like the coach, coach sure. determines. So there's always a bit where like, well, that's just recruiting. Well, what the hell are you hiring these guys to do? Like this isn't the NFL. <laughs> got to recruit him. So I think Ed Orgeron is the uh, guy. I do have a little bit of uh, emotional support animal news. Okay, oh, this boy. Was, this Here was we go. brought to me by uh, Spencer Holbrook. Covers Ohio State for Letterman's Row. Letterman Row does a good job. He's a fr- friend of the pod. Great young reporter out there covering the Buckeyes. Anyway, I'm just going to read you this. David Keller. David Keller uh, lives in Prescott, Arizona, and he just requested that his beehive be considered <laughs> an emotional support animal. A beehive. What? Yeah, Come there's on. a plot. There's a plot twist to this at the end. But yes, a, a beehive. Do you think the beehive could could provide emotional? I, I don't think I've ever been around a beehive. I've seen the pictures. You have to like dress up in the the, the mask. <laughs> dress up. And all white. Why is the beehive costume always all white? Why? Why is there only know. one color? Maybe, beehive. Co- I've maybe never seen bees a guy. don't like white. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, why can't they have blue or camo? I mean, why is beehive? Camo. Lack of fashion in the beehive community. <laughs> I'm always looking it white. up now. Beehive. White. Every beehive. Every beekeeper is in white. Like now, you know what? I'm getting women's dresses from Beehive, which apparently is a line of women's clothing. That's not really going to help us here. No. Beekeeper. You want to be a beekeeper. Yeah, beekeeper. All right, beekeeper. I'm, anyway, I'll, yeah. well, I mean, uh, this doesn't seem like something that would be very relaxing, but I don't know. People, different strokes for different folks. Should a beehive be allowed? <laughs> Clearly, a plane would be a terrible place for a beehive because they can't fly away. <laughs> No, just, yeah, no, what the bees do then is go and attack everybody on the plane. And <laughs> I, I'm suggesting that might be the absolute worst uh, emotional support animal of all. Pot- I mean, come on. I mean, if if it's if you've got a a support dog that goes crazy and starts trying to bite people, it's one dog. If you got a beehive, you got like 2000 bees flying around. Everybody's going to get stung. <laughs> oh, plane. The, might even get in Here with we, the pilot and then cause yeah. an accident. Yeah. And then, yeah, then the thing crashes and there you go. Congratulations <laughs> on your support beehive. What what support does the beehive offer to this person? Can from create Prescott, honey. Arizona? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Pete, what do you think? I think that uh, I I think that I ducked out to take a phone call and I missed the, oh, I missed right, the beehive. Pete, Pete's unbelievable. <laughs> he's unbelievable. trying to get unbelievable. some hangover Got one medicine. Job, Pete Thamel. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was doing it actually. <laughs> <laughs> here's the here's your answer though, Dan. Why why not a blue or black bee suit for that matter? Why not pastel tie dye hippie retro suit? The explanation is pretty simple. The darker the color, the more attractive it is to bees. Be you see, if you're a writer out there, don't start your sentence with you see, comma because you're talking down to your audience. Bees instinctively are drawn toward darker colors, especially when they are aggressive and looking for a target to attack. So. Ooh. Right. This is from Best Bee Removal, uh, <laughs> or Bee Best Removal, which I think is in Southern California. So I took a two-minute phone call, and the podcast just went way off the rails. 
It's just gotten interesting. We've just gotten to the good stuff. <laughs> we just found out why beekeepers wear white. Uh, See? So, uh, it's, the, the audience learned something. Yeah, we learned something. I, I learned something. Who knew? That was a very yeah. unlikely. If you're playing uh, podcast bingo, you didn't have uh, yeah. bee safety. Anyway. Uh, the we reason- were talking about Matt Rule, and then I come back, and Pat's talking about the intricacies of honey and, and yeah. bee, bee targets. Well, <laughs> that's right. I'd like to say that Mr. Keller, David Keller of Prescott, is one of us. He actually did this to expose the ridiculousness oh. of the system because okay. was at a par- in a parking lot outside a store, and he saw a dog wearing a service vest pulling his its owner through the parking lot belying the implication that the pet was specially educated to aid its owner and behave appropriately in public. So he believed that this guy just uh, just dressed up his dog like a like a service dog just so he could bring him into stores. And so okay. uh, so he decided bring awareness to the issue that anyone could do this and basically you could make a beehive an emotional sport. So uh, he filled so out the forms and apparently it worked. But really, the, the Arizona hero, he didn't actually literally, though, take the beehive to the to any place you like to, to an airport. Oh, oh actually, wait now. He might be in trouble. I'm reading this from Newsweek. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh. I mean, how do you even transport your beehive? You just you, you, I mean, he doesn't even own a beehive, by the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a true subversive. I like it. I'm not, I'm I not like sure him. I told this story in the proper order. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this guy's a wise ass. So I like him. Yeah, but right, exactly. He may be in trouble because Arizona mandates civil penalties for people who fraudulently misrepresent a pet as a service animal. So if <laughs> Keller were to obtain a beehive and try to take it to the DMV or other public location, he would be liable for a two hundred fifty dollar fine. So careful there, David. But well, shout yes, out he to will you. wisely not acquire a beehive. All right, let's get to Army Navy race for the case is over. Going to donate to Pete's charity. Play ball Boston. But we do have one more game, so we might as well pick it because what the hell? Navy is giving 10. Game is in Philadelphia. Great spectacle. Great stories. I love the way CBS presents the show. Great uniforms. Both schools have really gone all out on the uniforms and all that. Navy minus 10. Pat 40. Who you got? I'll tell you what. In honor of a guy I met at the beginning of November named Dan Pryle, West Point graduate, Combat veteran, great guy, phenomenal, huge college football fan. He and his girlfriend came to the cocktail party just because they wanted to go to that game. You know, he he didn't had no no dog in the fight, but he wants to go to the big games. So phenomenal guy. Bought me a beer the night after the game. Ended up talking to him and his girlfriend for hours. They were phenomenal people. He's a West Point guy. He's a podcast listener, and he will be happy to hear me say Army will at least cover. But what the hell? Let's say Army's going to win outright. Jeff Munkin going to get it done again. Cadets, West Point, go. Army. I believe it would be four in a row if Army won. Navy's been in a little dip. I disagree with Pat, which, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, is really a, it's really a safe bet. I think Navy's improved defense under Brian Newberry is the difference in this game. And I think that Army's had a bad season. There's no other way to say it. And Navy's had an excellent season. So this game's always fun. I hope it's close. It's always, a, you know, such a great American spectacle. The president is going to be there. So if anyone is going in all nonpartisan seriousness, and if we talked about get there early, 
because when the president is there, there is logistical nightmares. So everyone who's going have an awesome time at Army Navy, and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Navy by two touchdowns. You're right, Pete. Though it would be four in a row. Four in first a row. time since the mid '90s for Army. If it would yep. be four in a row, maybe the my favorite quote in college football is this: General George C. Marshall, Chief of Staff, United States Army, World War II, quote. I want an officer for a secret and dangerous mission. I want a West Point football player, end quote. (laughs) Absolutely the greatest quote of all time. That's pretty darn good. Go Army. Hey, and, and George Marshall had a lot to do with the fact that uh, the Nazis were defeated. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm down with him. There we go. So all right, you, we got two Army picks and one Navy pick from the subversive Pete Thamel. Right? Yeah. Yep. Pat once brought a sign to an Air Force game when he was a kid. Air Force played I Navy, did. and he brought a sign to the stadium that said, Sink Navy. And they confiscated it, didn't they? No, they tore it down. They tore it. The Navy guys tore it down in Air Force's stadium. I was nine years old. I was very unhappy. This is why he's picking Army. Let's get down to the real yeah. backstory here. That's right. Hey, you think I hold grudges for bad beats like, you know, the Georgia Southern uh, Eastern <laughs> Michigan Bowl game? No, I this is way like, worse. This is worse. I don't think members of our military are very, like, political correctness is not a big thing, and it certainly wasn't when you were a kid. But you talk about a triggering statement. In the Navy, the one thing they don't want to do is sink. <laughs> That's like, that will trigger you. So I think early 40-yard dash is already. <laughs> not already beat Navy, sink them. I was proud of myself for a little, you know, clever cleverness as, as a fourth grader. All right, I'll do it for the pod. Appreciate everyone listening. Be back next week. Two editions of our bowl extravaganza. It's going to be big. We're going to pick every game. We're going to make fun of every game. The corporate sponsors alone could take us down innumerable rabbit holes so be there for that we will do two editions next week please subscribe tell your friends share us on social media read all the listeners we can get plenty of content coming even if the regular season is over talk to you guys next week look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.